Podcasting from a small town in the Bible Belt, you're listening to the Environmental Christian Podcast. No, that is not an oxymoron. It's a podcast for environmentalists and Christians and Christian environmentalists and environmental Christians. Just keep listening. It's a podcast for you. Hey, listeners. Today, I have Scott and Gabby with me. Um, we're going to talk about Scott's book, The Year Without a Purchase. Uh, it's really interesting, and I'm excited that they've agreed to let me interview them. Um, but first, uh, let's get an introduction. I have a job. I'm self-employed. I work as a uh, leadership development consultant. So I'm typically, when it's not a pandemic, I'm crisscrossing the country teaching leadership workshops and problem solving to leaders. It's mostly corporate stuff, but some nonprofit. And so that's my day job. And then hobbies, I like to do music and hang out with family. And frankly, sitting on the couch is pretty nice. So, And you've blogged. And I've blogged, a blogger, right? On and a writer, yes. Accidental missionary. Accidental missionary. That's right. It's been a while though. Dot. Accidental missionary dot net. <laughs> and I work part time uh, in a small job that I enjoy with a software company, but mostly I'm just spending time with the kids and uh, trying to corral two teenagers. So you told us a little bit about yourselves, but I want listeners to know that you wrote a book quite a few years ago called The Year Without a Purchase. And I'd like to know what was the impetus? What, not even what made you decide to write the book, what made you decide to do a year without a purchase? Yeah, we have to go back a little ways to, it was in 2003, 2004, we decided to quit our corporate jobs and go do mission work because we were looking for meaning in the world. But we went to Guatemala and lived in the highlands of Guatemala and did mission and service work for a year, living with a family. And it, it could have been the worst thing we ever did because we were there. We hadn't even been married a year when we went. Um, and it was a drastic change from our dual income, no kids living in a house in the suburbs to living in this tiny room with family. But um, that was a pivotal moment in our lives. And then. Right. And we uh, celebrate our first anniversary in Guatemala in a tiny little village called San Juan Ishkoy with it was very romantic. It was with um, the other four uh, three volunteers and our supervisors. We went to a maybe four hour long church service. Yeah. <laughs> Where we understood next to nothing. <laughs> so, and then, um, so fast forward 10 years and we are feeling like we're kind of back in the rat race, you know, that we were letting the culture of our country kind of seep back in, in terms of um, materialism and, Losing focus. I feel like um, the greatest gift we ever got was to get to spend a year where our job was to focus on God 
and serving others. And um, so we were trying to figure out how can we um, get back to that. And we had written a family mission statement when we were in Guatemala. And you can tell them what it is. Yes, it is to live lives of integrity, own what we have, grow together in faith, and serve others. To create, Serve, serve all God's people to create right. a world without need. That's right. And we had put that mission statement. Uh, it was an anniversary gift, yep. right? An anniversary gift. We paid $600 to have a custom-made piece of artwork with that mission statement on it. We thought, all right, wait a minute. You know, we were all about simple living, and now we've spent $600 on something we could have written on a piece of notebook paper. Like, we are way out of bounds. And that's when the drastic decision came up. And I think I brought it up maybe in October mm-hmm. of 2002. No, no. 2012? Yep. 2012, I brought up the idea in in October. Hey, I think it'd be cool if we decided not to buy anything for a year. You know, the whole idea of our society being so um, uh, consumer focused, but also like disposable, like everything's disposable now. You don't have to fix it. You can just buy a new one. And so I said that to Scott and... What'd you say? I said, I don't know about that. I don't, that doesn't sound like very much fun at all. But she was planning it for like, we could do this in 2013. I was not on board until just a few days before 2013 started. And then I was like, okay, let's do it. And, and then I was like, wait a minute. Now I'm not ready. Like I was going to buy a few things <laughs> right before. I was going to ask, did y'all have a big bang Christmas New, you know, New Year's Eve something. No, this was, I mean, we even decided it was after Christmas. And I think yeah. Christmas was what sent me over the edge. Like, this is way too much. So, yes, let's do it. And not necessarily our traditions, but the the um, the larger family unit. You know, it's like it's not just about what we give to our kids, but then it's the other things they get from other people. And then it becomes overwhelming. And so he's... He said, I'm on board. And so we said, okay, let's do it. And then we had to figure out what the rules were going to be. Yep. Did the children help you with those? We chose, that was one of our big decisions. Were we going to tell the kids or not? They were what, five and seven at the time. Mm -hmm. And we decided not to tell them because we thought, all right, if we can pull this off and the kids don't notice then we've truly pulled off the in in the world, but not of the world. We can still be relevant in society. We haven't been ostracized to the outreaches of the neighborhood and people not hanging out with us anymore. So we thought, we'll just see, and we'll see if they even notice. So we didn't tell them, but we came up with the rules. It was, don't buy, you can't buy anything that could be, Unless it could be used up within a year, unless it was like a consumable, like soap or toilet paper, toilet paper for example. Yeah, because we'd gone without that when we were in Guatemala. We decided that was pretty much a necessity item. But anything that didn't fit that category, then we just didn't need it. That was going to be our definition. It was just a want. And if it was, um, if you could fix it, you had to fix it, not buy something new. That was the first course of action was to try to fix it or replace it with something else, a similar item that we had in the house already. Yeah. 
Yeah, but there was no buying of stuff unless it was an essential item. Yeah. And um, then we had the caveats of if it were like for a sporting thing, a sports thing for our kids, something where they needed that equipment to play on the team, then we would get that for them. But nothing extraordinary. Just the, you need soccer cleats, we'll get you soccer cleats. Um, Or, but the first thing was, is there someone that already has them? Yeah. That's not using them. That was the, that was the thing. And surprisingly enough, that was normally the case is when you got kids, especially that age, Mm -hmm. somebody else has it and they're not using it anymore. So the village came out. You know, and yeah. and then this, the second big one was we called it the Santa Claus that we weren't going to um, deprive them of their Christmas, but we did we call the the three wise men gifts. So if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. So they get three gifts from Christmas um, from Santa, and they get a stocking. Yep. And then we do an experience gift as a family. So we'll take a trip or do something with them. So you could spend money on consumables, gas, hygiene. Did this challenge make you think about those purchases differently? Uh, Or did you, you know, did you overspend because that's the only place like you could feel like you could spend something or maybe you, you could splurge and get something that you hadn't before or did it make you think about, did you still process it the same way? Is this a need? Is this a want? Did it affect anything that was not necessarily included in your challenge? <laughs> At the start of the year, because we couldn't go to Target anymore or any of those type places, we would just go to the grocery store. And so I thought, this is pretty easy. And then I forget whether it's Four weeks, six weeks into the experiment, I realized I had gained eight pounds. So instead of (laughs) buying things, I just ate things. (laughs) So that I was like, that loophole is me, meaning I got to create another hole in my belt. What am I missing? What am I trying to fill with? You're replacing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it was also that, you know, we talked about it like, Target or TJ Maxx were like an ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend where you just walk right by and you don't make eye contact because you know it's not going to be good. So you just don't even go near it, you know. And um, Have you seen Target lately? How's Target doing? <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that I think I appreciated those things I could still buy. Like I could still buy my makeup and, you know, when I was, I was glad to have it. I think there was some of that too, just gratitude for things that, maybe I wouldn't have been uh, as grateful for, you know? Mm -hmm. And we also realized that this whole experiment is incredibly offensive to a good 80 or 90% of the world. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people do a year without a purchase because I don't have any money to do this. It's yeah. Your little fun, luxurious experiment. You're going to write a book about is a privilege in itself. And absolutely realize that and for us to to write a book that anybody would even consider reading is pretty laughable no i think that's a good point is 
you know, it's almost a privilege to be able to make the decision that you're not going to consume or, or buy things because there are people who don't have that choice. And there are people who go without even some of the consumables, the hygiene, the things that, you know, you are allowed to buy. You know, when I heard about your book and I saw the name and everything, it's fascinating, you know, because we are surrounded by so many choices and so many ways to spend our money. What is harder is the instant gratification. Mm-hmm. So because technology makes it so easy, if, if you do want something, you can have it in minutes or an hour or a day. Um, and so that all the happiness research shows that actually you get the dopamine hit from a pleasurable experience actually before you obtain the item or eat the food or what it's the anticipation that creates that sensation of joy or pleasure. So if I'm asking somebody to wait a month to buy something, is it going to encourage them to buy it? The anticipation will be so great that in that month, they're definitely going to buy it and decide that they have to have it because (laughs) they've been thinking about it so long. Yeah, it's it's the wait a month, and if you can't stop thinking about it, yeah. And and the question that we would ask ourselves after the year without a purchase is: Is this going to add value to our life, or is it going to be one more thing for us to take care of if it breaks or messes up, or we got to dust it? That was a pretty good question because a lot of times it was, eh, it's not really adding a lot of value. So that was after you technically had finished your year. That's how you proceeded. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're going to buy something. But I also think at the end of, like we both had things that we, at the beginning of the year, we really wanted. And we're like, we're going to have to wait a whole year to get that thing. And I really think at the end of the year, like the two things that I wanted were like socks and underwear. Because they were getting old and I wanted to get new ones. That's the first thing I bought. (laughs) <laughs> in February, you know, it was like, ah, I got another month. I'm all right. You know, these, these haven't totally vaporized yet. Nobody was giving you gifts of those. If nobody was giving no, you no. gifts, then I think you were doing okay. <laughs> but it was yeah, probably time. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think the other thing for me, and I try to think about this even today, is when I go to when I go to shopping and I see something that I like, and I if it's a shirt or something and I try it on, it's like, do I love it? Do I love it? Or I just think, oh, this is nice. And yeah, I could I could buy this. Or it's on sale, so I should buy it. Because the reality is, and I've seen this over time and time again in my life, I buy something because I think it's fine. And then I don't wear it. I continue to wear the seven to 10 things that I wear every week that I love and don't wear those other things. So a lot of times I'll look at something and I won't buy it. And I was like, okay, if I love it tomorrow and I'm still thinking about it, then maybe I should own it. Like if you're going to own something, then truly own it, you know, and um, that's been a good one for me. Well, thank you for spending some time with me. I think you guys are the best. You're very kind. It was so fun just to sit here. It's like, oh, 
Like, we would have done this anyway. Just, hey, come over and let's have coffee and a piece of cake. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Yes. But we love you. And we're so glad that you invited us to do this. It was fun. So if you didn't catch it in the interview, the challenge today is to put off buying something that you want for a month. You can use the hashtag B-E-T-N Lent 40 to let me know how you're doing. Hey, thanks for listening to The Environmental Christian. If you have a question or comment pertaining to the podcast or Christians in the Environment, please send me an email at environmentalchristian at gmail.com or check out The Environmental Christian on Facebook. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.